Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Main Street Finance Podcast. I am, of course, Alex, your host, and today we have another interview in a string of interviews with professionals I cannot even believe I've had the chance to talk to. Today, we're going to be speaking with Lindsay Johnson. Now, Lindsay serves as the president of the U.S. Mortgage Insurers, that's the USMI, and is the nation's leading private mortgage insurance association. Previously, Lindsay has served as the director of the Federal Home Loan Bank of Atlanta and has worked in Washington, D.C. to help form U.S. policy on finances and with mortgage insurance. So, Lindsay, welcome to the show. Thank you, Alex. I'm excited to be here with you and your listeners. Oh, I'm excited to have you here. Believe me, I would bet even more excited than you. Not that it's a competition. All right, so let's go ahead and start with the first question here. So I had mentioned the USMI, U.S. Mortgage Insurers. Can you go into a little bit about what that organization is and maybe a little bit of what they do? Sure, yeah. So U.S. Mortgage Insurers, we are in Washington, D.C., and we are a policy organization, a nonprofit association, representing five of the six largest mortgage insurance companies in the country. And we are dedicated to a housing finance system that's backed by private capital, but also that enables housing access for borrowers and protects taxpayers. So we are dedicated to making mortgage credit available to more people and really focused on the future of housing finance. All righty, Lindsay. So maybe could you go into a little bit of maybe some public policy that you guys have influenced maybe a little bit recently? Sure. So, you know, our entire focus is really making sure that our member companies have the regulatory environment and the policy environment to do what they do best, which is bridge the down payment gap for borrowers who are looking to enter home ownership. And so we are very focused on issues related to low down payment financing and reform of the housing finance system, which has been a a huge topic of discussion since the housing finance crisis from 2008. And so we're engaged in all those topics and discussions. But at the end of the day, my member companies are available day in and day out, and especially through this COVID crisis, to make sure that borrowers have access to affordable mortgage credit. All righty. And something you had said there, and I think you had mentioned it a little bit twice, but in different terms, you had mentioned that you guys bridge the gap for potential homeowners and also have access to home loans. Could you expand a little bit on what exactly gap we're doing there? Sure. So if you are, if a borrower is unable to bring a 20% down payment to the closing table, they're going to be viewed by a lender as higher risk. And that is backed by actuarial science. So there are plenty of statistics to support that borrowers with lower down payments are higher risk borrowers. They've got a greater chance of default. And so in order to lend to that borrower, the lender is going to require that they've got mortgage insurance. And there are a couple of different ways that that mortgage insurance can come into play. But we basically, our companies basically stand in the gap. And we say, if you're only able to bring 5, 10, 15% to the closing table, we bridge that gap between what you bring and what the lender requires so that you can actually have access to home ownership. Okay. And we said that it's insurance and insurance typically means a protection from loss. So what exactly, and this is a little bit of a loaded question, longtime listeners in my audience should already know the answer to this, but what kinds of risk are we insuring against with private mortgage insurance? Sure. So, I mean, bottom line is, as I mentioned before, there is a higher probability that that borrower could default on their mortgage if they're bringing less down to the closing table. And so really private mortgage insurance is protecting the lender against potential losses in the event that the borrower is unable to repay that loan and there's not sufficient equity to cover the amount that's owed. 
So we've existed for 60 years, and this is not just sort of a fly-by-night industry. I mean, for example, through the last Great Recession, 2008, the industry paid more than $50 billion in claims. And those are, those are claims that the taxpayers would otherwise have had to borne. So it's a really critical role that our industry plays in both protecting taxpayers, but also giving very home-ready borrowers access to the conventional market. All righty. So by bridge the gap, we're saying that maybe that people that don't have the 20% that is quote unquote needed to get that mortgage are able to access this insurance product that protects the bank from people that do not necessarily have that 20%, which is a higher risk group. So you guys come in and allow people who don't have that 20% down payment to be able to purchase the house in spite of not having that 20% down payment. Is that about right? That's exactly right. Yeah, and there's different options available to borrowers, but understanding their options and what's available to them, and first and foremost, understanding that they don't need 20%, which is a myth that many, many people, more than you would expect, actually think that they actually need a full 20% to purchase a home. You know, making sure folks understand their options is sort of one thing that we are very focused on right now. Alrighty, Lindsay, and something else I have for you. Mortgage insurance seems like it's going to be just an extra expense, an extra thing you got to pay per month, and it just saves you from paying a down payment. So would it be cheaper to maybe buy the insurance, or is it cheaper to maybe just wait a bit and put up the full 20% down payment? So Alex, this is a question that we really hope every potential homeowner asks himself and takes a, a little bit of time to do a little bit of research and do the math. Let's just do a quick example and walk through the typical prospective home buyer. And let's just say the borrower earns a national median income of about $63,000. To save 20% plus closing costs for a $274,000 home, which is roughly the median sales price for a single family home last year, they would have to bring more than $63,000 in cash to the table. Think about how much money that is and how few of us could really afford to put that much money into our homes. It could take up to 21 years to save that amount based on the national savings rate to dedicate that to a mortgage for that typical borrower. If that borrower qualified instead for using private MI with a 5% down payment mortgage, their wait time drops to just seven years. So really, this is how we look at the potential for opening homeownership opportunities for so many more people. And when you think about the amount of equity that people start to earn once they're in a home and they can stay in that home for a period of time, at the ability to take advantage of interest rates and really having an opportunity to take what is historically low interest rates today and save considerable amount of money over a 30-year time horizon or you know, shorter if they move or sell the home, that is a significant advantage that helps so many borrowers who are taking advantage of perhaps entering into homeownership sooner. Absolutely. And actually, I do have a personal example that I can throw out there. I did put this on the Main Street Finance Twitter account, but in preparation for this episode, I actually went and I calculated mine because I have PMI on my house. Just so you know, I do. So I went and I pulled all my loan docs And I looked at all my stuff, and here's the math. So I did not have a 20% down payment for my house. I put down a certain amount, but what I needed to get to a 20% down payment would have been an additional $18,000. Wow. 
So for me to save that extra $18,000, say by some magic I saved $1,000 a month, or if I stopped putting towards my 401k and I just built up cash, that would still let me take me over a year to save for. But what's costing me in PMI is about $48-ish a month, and PMI gets removed, or at least we might be jumping a little ahead here, but PMI for me is going to be removed due to my amortization schedule on my loan at month 36. So after three years of paying for PMI, I no longer have to pay for it. So I took that 48-ish dollars per month, multiplied it by 36, and what the total cost of PMI for me personally is was $1,845. So the options before me were spend potentially another year saving that $18,000 or more, or pay $1,800 in PMI and buy the house right here, right now, and I start building equity immediately. Alex, that is an amazing example. And that's repeated time and time again across the country. And so, you know, a lot of folks will look at it and kind of have this grudge purchase mentality of like, oh, I got to go get PMI. But really the protection that we offer to the lenders is obviously the first benefit, but the real benefit to consumers is the opportunity to have access to homeownership sooner than they could. And you, I mean, your example is, I mean, it's a great one. Knowing you could actually take advantage of the low rates and get into homeownership and start building equity. Absolutely. And me, I actually have a 20-year mortgage. So more of my payment goes towards principal every month. So another bit of math you can add on to that is it's costing me $1,800 in PMI. But instead of paying rent, which is going 100% to somebody else and not me, I'm paying a mortgage. And yeah, my mortgage payment is a little bit higher than what my rent is. If you want to know exactly what my stuff is, I actually go into the exact numbers of my renting versus buying equation in a previous episode. I forget the number, but it's a couple episodes back. But anyway, I went from giving 100% of my rent payment to somebody else to paying for a mortgage, which built equity for me. Yes, it cost me an extra $48 a month to do so, but $450 each month of my mortgage payment pays down my loan. So I'm actually pocketing... $450 a month. And what is that costing me? $48 a month. So you brought up two specific points that I want to just maybe focus on for two minutes. One is you clearly were mortgage ready. You really thought about your purchase options. You understood that you didn't have to bring 20% to the table. You did the math and you looked, and there's a lot of different calculators out there for borrowers who are looking for them. And I'll maybe give you a couple of resources towards the end of the episode. But the key is to know that there's options out there and to understand that, yes, if you put the full 20% down, you can avoid private mortgage insurance or you can avoid being in an FHA government insured loan. But you are waiting. Interest rates could move. The equity that you are building could, you know, you may not be building that as fast. And importantly, how much do you want to bring? So if Alex, you, for example, had saved up for a year, two years, whatever that time period was for the $18,000 that you needed to make that full 20% down, would you have money in the bank still for inevitably something that's going to go wrong with your house, a washer, dryer, or for something that you want to purchase, like furniture or other expenses that are naturally going to arise. So those are all great questions. And we really have launched kind of a campaign to make sure that folks understand what it takes to be mortgage ready 
And not only understanding your financial health, your credit score, your current debt, your current income, your savings situation, but what your down payment options are. The other piece that you hit on is that MI is cancelable. And so as you look at your different low down payment options, knowing that you can get a, a government insured loan through FHA, which has great products and is for many people the right option. But on the other side of the table, there's private mortgage insurance in the conventional market. And private mortgage insurance does cancel. For you, you mentioned it was 36 months. On average, it's somewhere between five and seven years. Private mortgage insurance cancels. It goes away because you've built enough equity in your home that it's no longer needed. And when it goes away, your payment goes down. And so that is a, a huge benefit for many homeowners. So knowing your options, knowing the difference between those options and really kind of understanding how to be mortgage ready and to have answered some of those questions for yourself before you go to speak to a lender is something is one of the best things that a borrower can do for themselves. Absolutely. And I actually have a couple points I've taken notes on that I want to go back to. But first, just while we're here, this is a lot of stuff on how to be mortgage ready. You listed five or six things, and I even doubt that that's the entire list of what it takes for you, or rather what you would need to consider to be mortgage ready. So who would you recommend or what kind of resources would you recommend that maybe someone should talk to or something someone should look up? So how do people find out if they are mortgage ready? So one thing I will say is that, especially in the millennial generation, most people currently, and we track this, most people are currently getting at least their initial information online, which is great because you can get a lot of education and information from different online resources. One thing that our industry has tried to do, and we're partnering with others to do some of this, is to create more of a single source hub just to get this information. There's a, a, a website called lowdownpaymentfacts.com. And it is a great resource that explains and sort of breaks down the different low down payment options available to consumers. It has links to different tools. So whether it's a savings calculator, whether it is a rent versus buy calculator, there's a number of different tools and resources available to consumers. So lowdownpaymentfacts.com is a great resource. Talk to a mortgage lender. And really be very specific about your questions. Tell them your current financial situation. Understand your credit score before you speak with that lender. And understand you know, what you need to qualify for different mortgage options, whether it's FHA, private mortgage insurance, or saving for that full 20% down. And that lender will be able to walk you through those different scenarios and really kind of demonstrate where you as a borrower may be best fit. But being prepared knowing your financial health and being mortgage ready when you go to that table and speak with those lenders would be one of the best steps you could take. Absolutely. And all of those links will be in the description below. So something you had said previously in your last explanation was that you had mentioned canceling PMI. So I know I had mentioned that mine is going to be gone after 36 months. You said the average is about five or six years. The difference there in case my audience is keeping count is that I have a 20-year mortgage, and the average mortgage in America right now is a 30-year. So because of that, you're paying down the loan a little bit slower, which means you're going to have PMI longer. So the thing I want to go on there about is, Lindsay, when or why does PMI just disappear off of your payment? Well, there's a couple of different ways that it goes away. But as I mentioned before, private MI can be canceled once you reach 20% equity in your home. 
On average, as I mentioned before, that's between five and seven years. You can reach 20%, and as you mentioned in your uh, earlier example, that can be through an amortization schedule that you receive from the lender at the time that you close on your mortgage. You can also actually get an appraisal on your mortgage if you believe that home price appreciation has occurred in your region to a point, or if you've made certain improvements to your home that you feel like there's more home price appreciation. You can actually call your lender even sooner than that and get an assessment and cancel it even sooner than the amortization schedule would suggest. So there's a couple of different ways, but as I mentioned before, typically there's that schedule you receive right up front. It automatically cancels once you reach the 20% equity in your home, which on average is you know roughly five to seven years. Wonderful. And something I should have mentioned earlier, as soon as I said it, I regretted it. So an amortization schedule, I'm going to have a YouTube video coming out hopefully in the next week or so about this, but an amortization schedule is a very complicated word for a very simple thing. So with every loan payment, you are paying some interest, and some of it is what we call principal payments, or paying down the loan, meaning that you owe less on your home, which means you have more equity in your home or more ownership. So what we're saying is you can look on your amortization schedule and see at what point in your mortgage typically maybe three years, five years, seven years, wherever it is, at a certain point after making enough monthly payments, you have paid down your loan enough to where the amount of equity in your house is 20%. Meaning if your house is worth $200,000, you have paid down the loan $40,000, or rather you have $40,000 in equity. So that's all we mean by an amortization schedule. It's just a schedule of where you are at in paying down your loan. And now that we've talked about having PMI or private mortgage insurance removed, something that you've done several comparisons to thus far in this episode is FHA loans versus having PMI on a conventional mortgage. To my knowledge, if you have an FHA loan, you have the PMI if you put down less than 20%, but there are cases where the PMI never gets removed. Is that the case? And if so, is it better to go for an FHA loan or maybe just go conventional by, you know, whatever it takes. So, you know, this is going to be, again, kind of going back to, are you mortgage ready? And have you looked at your different options? FHA is a government-backed mortgage insurance program. And so private mortgage insurance is in the private sector. And we work in the conventional market. FHA, again, is government-backed. They're both great products. And some borrowers are going to be better suited for an FHA loan. And they're going to get a better option through an FHA mortgage. Some borrowers are going to have options through private mortgage insurance. And so we encourage borrowers to understand the differences between the two. There's different down payment requirements. There's different conforming loan limits between the two. There are different cancelability between the two. As you mentioned, private mortgage insurance can be canceled, which is a pretty significant benefit knowing that within five to seven years, your mortgage insurance goes away and your mortgage payment goes down. And through FHA mortgages, the mortgage insurance premiums for FHA loans typically can't be canceled and they remain on that loan throughout the life of the loan. So what you're saying is for some loans, including FHA loans, for as long as you have the loan, you're going to have that mortgage insurance on there, whether or not you pay down your 20%. That's correct, because they're not a private mortgage insurance. They're through the government, and those loans have insurance on them for the entire life of that loan. 
And so whether the borrower has that house for 30 years, they're going to pay mortgage insurance premiums for 30 years. Just all depends on how long they are in their home. Gotcha. So let me ask you this. If it is cheaper to have PMI versus putting down the full 20%, let's take it to an extreme. Could someone maybe put down nothing and just pay a really high amount of PMI? Or how would that work? Are there limits to this? There are definitely limits to it. And whether you've gotten a mortgage through the Federal Housing Administration or whether you go through the private lending channels or through the government-sponsored enterprises, there are several different lending channels or lending markets that you can go through. And all three of those are going to require some kind of expectation for you to bring a down payment to the closing table. And the reason for that is because they want to know that that borrower has some ability to repay that mortgage. Down payment is part of that discussion. So the borrower has an equity stake. The borrower's got skin in the game on that mortgage. So in the government space, you can get a mortgage up to about 96.5% of the value of that mortgage. So you can put as little as 3.5% down. For the private mortgage insurance space, the most common amount that people put down is 5%. So the amount in mortgage insurance that you're going to pay depends slightly on how much you're bringing to the closing table, how much you're actually putting down. So are you putting 5%, 10%, 15% down? That'll have some impact on the amount that you pay of mortgage insurance. But again, all those different factors can be taken into account as the borrower starts to explore their options, works with the lender, looks at these different mortgage loan calculators and resources that are widely available. And I mentioned before the lowdownpaymentfacts.com a good place to sort of get started and to look at the different options. Okay. And another point I want to make clear to the audience here is in banking, you're going to hear the term skin in the game a lot when you're dealing with banks. And what that means is an equity stake. So as you're paying down the loan, you have more and more equity in the house. So if you've paid down your loan to 20% and you have a $200,000 house, you have $40,000 in equity in the house. So if you just suddenly stop paying and the bank comes and takes your house, you lose $40,000. So because you don't want to lose that $40,000, you're going to keep making your payments. We refer to that as skin in the game. So taken to an extreme, if you pay nothing for your house, if you get it 100% financed by either the government or you find a bank that's willing to do it, whatever, you have no equity in the house. Meaning if the bank comes and takes the house, you're not really losing anything. And this was one of the factors that led to such a craziness in 2008 with the banking crisis, because there was some lenders out there throwing out a whole bunch of mortgages for 0% down. And when the going got tough, people left. And that really fueled the flames of that crisis. And banks have learned their lesson. So they really don't want to do that anymore. Alrighty, Lindsay. Well, that was fantastic. I tell you what, do you have anything else that you want to talk about for the remainder of the show? No, Alex. Thanks very much. I think we've covered everything. All right, so let's go ahead and just start to wind down the episode a little bit here. So first off, if I have audience members that are more curious about you, what you do, what the USMI does, do you have maybe some links or some resources where my audience can find and connect with you? Absolutely. A great place to find me is either LinkedIn. I'm right there and and connected, and I love to see new connections or USMI.org, and you can find out all about USMI, our member companies, what we do, the issues we care deeply about, and you'll find a lot of great information there. 
Perfect. And I do want to bring up something you had mentioned a little bit earlier in the episode is that you had some mortgage calculator resources or other kind of calculators. Do you happen to have those websites handy? We do. And I'm happy to share those. Lowdownpaymentfacts.com is a great resource for borrowers to go and they'll find a single resource website that lists a number of different places that they can go and find things like mortgage calculators and down payment calculators. There's also just information about the different low down payment options that are available to them. So a great resource would encourage your listeners to use it. Well, absolutely. And all of that will be in the description below. We will have links to her LinkedIn, her, to her website, to her company's website. We're going to have everything you wanted and more. <laughs> so, Lindsay, now for the hardest question of the show. Now, just so the audience knows, I have not prepared her for this. I have not told her. So we're going to do this for the first time here. Did you have fun? I had a blast. It was <laughs> this is always fun. It's great to share information. It's great to hear your experience, to share with your listeners. I feel like I'm, you know, sitting with them at sometimes. And, you know, I, I always enjoy having a, a great conversation about something that I'm super passionate about. Well, that is fantastic. Well, on behalf of the audience and of course myself, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I had a lot of fun recording this. I sure hope you did. I sure hope the audience enjoyed listening to it. Thank you, Alex. Alrighty. So be sure to go and check in the description below. Get some of those links. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to leave us a review, like, subscribe, whatever you feel like we deserve. Lindsay, thank you so much for coming on the show. And for everyone else out there, I'll see you next week.